So we had to leave our homework on the table. Straight square business. We had to leave our homework on the table for my mom to come home. And my mom would check our homework and tell us what corrections need to be made before she went to bed. We would wake up about 30, 45 minutes before, you know, if there were some corrections that need to be made. And we would do homework with my mom. My mom um, retired as a financial officer, an accountant. My mom's an accountant by trade. Mm. And math was her thing. So... If I did a math problem, we we almost had a knockdown drag out about two and three digit multiplication. <laughs> but if I did the problem wrong, my mom was like, okay, she needs some more practice. So, hey, I'm waking you up 30 minutes earlier. I need you to, sh- my mama would write a whole new set of problems for me to practice on because she would say, this is where you made your mistake. This is what we're going to do. But those were the roles. And on the weekends, when my dad was at his full-time job, his second job, my mom would do the heavy soul food cooking and the making sure our clothes are washed and ready for the week to make things easier for my dad, but it's definitely shared responsibilities in, in my household with my mom and my dad. And I was raised by both my parents. Wow. Yeah. This is this is what I'm talking about, right? Okay. <laughs> you feeling all right? I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Look, 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 we right there. So, yeah. The joy of children laughing around me. These are makings of you. It is true. The making. What's going on, beautiful people? It's your host, Drake, B. Drake with Everything Culture. And we're back with another conversation, another makings of you. And we're somewhere different, okay, somewhere new. We're at Lab 7 Studios. Um, this is located in Missouri City, Texas. If you'd like to use their services, make sure to holler at us so we can holler at them so y'all can holler at each other. But this morning, this evening, this afternoon, we have the pleasure of introducing y'all to Rich Month. For finest. Hey. How are we doing? I'm here. What's up? We're here. You're what's up? We're together. <laughs> we are. Here to have a conversation all about you. Now, it's been some time. Okay. I've been out of town. I've been gone. Mm-hmm. I'm back home. And you're the first mm-hmm. in-person interview I've had since being back in Texas. Well, hello. So, thank you. For well, being let me here. make you feel special. You are the first interview that I have ever done, period. What? I have been invited on several podcasts, and I have, you know, wiggled my way out of it. Mm. You are the first one that I'm doing. So, I don't know what you got planned, but here we are. She going to be all right. <laughs> I'm just going to lock it in. This is all about you. This is going to be the the makings of you. Okay. So, the makings of you is a conversation all about our guests. It's a deep dive um, interview. Okay. You know, open-ended questions. If you feel uncomfortable answering that one of the questions, we can pass on to the next one. Okay. But this is your, this is all about you. This is something for our guests to get to know you. And when you come back on the show in the future, they have a little bit more insight about you and your perspective in life, as well as the conversations we're going to be talking about. So. Mm. Mm. All right. How you feeling? I mean, here we go. You ready? We are. All right, let's get we, into like it. We, like I got multiple personalities. I am. Yeah. Okay, well, we, let's, get, <laughs> let's get all of them. Let's all of them come together. Let's, let's go. I'm ready. So, Ridgemont Foe. Yes. How would you describe yourself? Oh, I would describe myself as an empath. That's probably my one of my fatal flaws, I'm going to say that. Mm. Um, definitely a hard worker, sometimes to my own detriment. Um, compassionate to the death of me. Um, can I say that I'm a great mom? Because I am. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I'm like the best mom ever. Because uh, I was raised by the best mom ever. Ooh. And 
I'm an educator, the most passionate one, sometimes, again, to my own detriment because my passion for my my purpose gets me in a lot of trouble. But, uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm a G. I'm here. Okay. I'm I here. rock with it. I rock with it. What do you identify as? A female. A woman. Okay. That's, 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 that's the question. That's the answer you want me? This is the answer you get. Okay. Okay. <laughs> These are open-ended. These are no responses, okay? Ain't no, and there's no wrong answer. All right. Ain't nobody can tell us about Ridgemont Fold better than Ridgemont Fold. Okay? All right. All right. What cultures do you represent? Um, <laughs> let me see. I'm going to answer it. I'm going to answer that one pretty. Black. Black. Blackity black. Okay. All day okay. long. Okay. Just going to leave it at that. Okay. How would you define your childhood and upbringing? Um, I had the most privileged childhood and upbringing. Um, I don't want to say give you all some traumatic story about, you know, how I had to get it out the mud and stand on my own, too, because I did not. Um, I had the best parents ever, Hmm. the best support system ever, everything in life I I ever wanted, even though my parents worked very, very hard. um, There was nothing that I could not get. Uh, within reason, of course. I'm not saying that I, I lived a princess fairy tale life. My parents were hustlers, and everything that we needed, we had. Everything I wanted, there was not a way that they couldn't make sure that I could get it or provide an avenue for me to get it. So, hey, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, amazing. I, that's just that's just what it is. It's the truth. No, and we love it. We love it. Um, what were the roles of your caregivers in the household? Um. I can't say very traditional. My my dad worked. My mom worked. Um, both of my parents, again, had two jobs. My parents both worked two jobs until... Shit. Oh, can I curse? Um, do whatever yeah. you want to do. This is <laughs> until, your time. Until this I was probably... Yeah, well, off into college, for sure. Um, but we, my parents had shared roles as far as household responsibilities. Um, I remember... My dad's second job was on the weekend. My mom's second job was after hours. So she would work her full nine to five and then work like a five, a six to 11 or a six to 10 or something like that. So during the week, my dad was the picker up from schooler, the cook, you know, the one that made sure we ate dinner, made sure we had our baths, made sure we did our homework. Now he ain't checking the homework, okay. Okay. but he made sure we did the homework. Now the rule was, cause no matter how tired my mama was, my mom was going to take that homework every night. So we had to leave our homework on the table. Straight square business. We had to leave our homework on the table for my mom to come home. And my mom would check our homework and tell us what corrections need to be made before she went to bed. We would wake up about 30, 45 minutes before, you know, if there were some corrections that need to be made. And we would do homework with my mom. My mom um, retired as a financial officer, an accountant. My mom's an accountant by trade. And math was her thing. So... If I did a math problem, we we almost had a knockdown drag out about two and three digit multiplication. <laughs> but if I did the problem wrong, my mom was like, okay, she needs some more practice. So, hey, I'm waking you up 30 minutes earlier. I need you to, sh-. my mama would write a whole new set of problems for me to practice on because she would say, this is where you made your mistake. This is what we're going to do. But those were the roles. And on the weekends, when my dad was at his full-time job, his second job, my mom would do the heavy soul food cooking and the making sure our clothes are washed and ready for the week to make things easier for my dad, but it's definitely shared responsibilities in, in my household with my mom and my dad. And I was raised by both my parents. Wow. Yeah. This is this is what I'm talking about, right? Here. Okay. <laughs> you feeling all right? I'm good. Okay. I'm Let's good. See, look, 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 we right there. So, do you have any siblings? I do have siblings. I have an older brother and I have a younger sister. 
Okay. We are all five years apart. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Even. Even. Okay. None mm-hmm. of us are high school together. We all not together. Yes. But the same high school. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the middle child? I am definitely the middle child. Now they would tell what what they tell you that I was the middle child. I'm, I am the typical middle child. I ain't gonna lie. Okay. I'm the middle child. Okay. I was the worst child. <laughs> but you feel like the most responsible as well. Um, okay. How am I gonna answer that without my brother kicking my butt? Let me see. Mm, mm. You already answered it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say that I'm definitely very, very responsible, but I am the family business taken care of. I'm the family ass kicker. Like my sister is very chill until you push her. My brother is completely chill and passive. I'm the one that's like, what's up? Who we fighting? Mm. I'm I'm the business taking care, the business taker care of. Does that make sense? You know what I'm trying to say. We are. I'm the one that's gonna handle it. I'm handle the business. We got I'm that sibling. We got you. So, what was your first sense of responsibility? Hmm. I'ma say being taught responsibility by my parents. It was probably like while my parents were doing the whole two jobs things, I had roles as a as a big sister to make sure that things were done for my little sister to help. The family. Every, everybody had a job in our household to make our household run. Mm. And so I can say that probably my first sense of like, oh, wait, shit, this on me. I got a little responsibility. Mm. Um, probably when my mom showed me how to use the washing machine and the dryer. Like, hey, I'm going to need you sometimes. We went to private school at one point. Right. This is when I got kicked out of public school. But that's another conversation. Okay. So, but because to make it easier, my sister had to go too. So you're like, damn, what? Get in this, she got in trouble, and now and here I am. But we had uniforms that we had to wear, and because the uniforms were super duper expensive, my mom was like, I ain't buying five shirts and five skirts and five shorts for each of y'all for every day. So you had two or three. What learn how to use the washing and dryer? You have to wash your uniforms, you gotta wash your sister uniforms, and make sure the pleats are in your skirt. Because if the pleats weren't in your skirt, then that was a violation of the dress code of the school. Mm. So I learned how to do all of that and do it for my sister too to make sure we were good to go for the next morning. Wow. Yep. Uh, what age was this again? Um, I see. I got kicked out. Sixth grade. Um, so I had to be what seventh grade. So I had to be about eleven or twelve. I started school early, so I'm a year a, a behind ahead. So I was in the seventh yeah. grade for sure. So my sister was in the second grade. Wow. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you. <laughs> y'all, y'all are tuning in to the makings of you. To be more specific, the makings of Ridgemont Ridge Month for Finance here with Everything Culture. Thank y'all for listening and watching. So, you have responsibilities in the household. Mm-hmm. If you did not do those re- responsibilities, how were you redirected or disciplined? Mm. <laughs> Depends on what ironing of the clothes and stuff like that. Um, hey, you know what you got to do. You need to do ABC. It was a stern talking to um, by my mom, stern talking to by my dad for things like that. But other redirections when it was my fault, because again, typical middle child. Yeah, you gotta get this come to Jesus real quick. Okay. okay. I, I read you loud. You I feel you. I hear you. I don't know if it else does, but I, we yeah, hear you. You know, you know what it we is. We right here. We right here. So you mentioned your education and you know, a little faux pas that you may have had in the sixth, seventh grade. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about your education so far in life? traditional education or life education? Okay, it's it's however I want to answer the question. Um, Let's see. I had a great public school education. I did not have the public school experience that unfortunately some of our kids are having right now. And those of you who don't know by trade, I'm an educator. I've been in the education game 23 years. Mm. Um, I did not have the experience that 
these kids are having now. I did not have the experience that uh, as a teacher I'm having now. I had a great uh, upbringing in the education system. I felt like I always had great teachers. I was I was all I always had strong black teachers. Mm. Um, that was probably one of the best things about my educational experiences because of those specific teachers in the specific schools I went to, Ridgemont Elementary, Crystal McCullough Middle School, the Willow Ridge High School. Um, there were always educators that gave a damn. So there was no um, slacking. The expectation was greatness. That was the standard. And so having teachers like that is what, you know, I feel like made me the educator that I am today. Now, unfortunately, where we are in the education system, you can't really hold those same standards anymore. But those are things that are systemically above me. But education-wise, great. Um education given to me by my family even better life life lessons life things so many great life lessons from my parents that allowed me to be a great parent allowed me to be a great person and you know just very fortunate I just keep going back to just that fortunate upbringing that I had so absolutely thank you for sharing too. Oh, no doubt. so I'm southern it's part of my culture I hate this question you can say what generation you're part of <laughs> I always feel like my grandparents on my back. I know what you about to ask. About to say, what you about to ask her? You sharing your age I am us? 41 years old. Oh, okay. I'm 41. What's your sign? I'm a Libra. Libra. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much you for sharing. Problem. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to get that off me. I got to get that off me. I don't ever have a problem telling my age. Okay. Never. All right. You know, some folks, my last guest was like, hey, you know, they didn't share. I, I respect you. Mm-hmm. It's part of my duty for my audience to ask these questions. No problem. So, what were and what are your beliefs? Hmm. What were my beliefs and what are my beliefs? I don't want to, I don't know about the were, but what are my beliefs right now? Um, I believe my number one belief in life is just being a good person. I believe that if you're a good person, great things are going to always come to you. Um, again, being an educator, I believe in being doing right by children. I do not play about children. If you've ever encountered me as an angry teacher or teachers that have encountered me as an angry parent, I do not play about children, whether they're mine or somebody else's, um, because I just believe that's the number one way to get that universe come back on you when you mm-hmm. mess over children. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in hard work. I believe in, <laughs> you want to hear one of my other strong beliefs? Um, I believe that Black children have the the right to grow up privileged in privileged environments. I do believe in the silver spoon for black children. I think it's something that they can attain. I don't believe that because we were raised one way, we should make our children go up the same way because it builds character. I do not believe that at all. Um, I believe that they should be afforded all the things that we were not afforded. And... Yeah, I have a whole lot of lists, but we'll stop right there. Uh, and we love it. Thank <laughs> you for sharing. Once again, this is the makings of you. Okay. So we, we, you rocking. This is your show. I okay? got you. Okay. So, who has been the biggest influence in your life? Ooh, I have to pick one. This your show. You pick everybody. Okay. Pick. I'm, first of all, you know, of course, I'm going to say my mama. Of course, I'm going to say my mama because my mama is, is, was the epitome of what a woman, a mother is was should be um i'm gonna say also my dad because the standard was set you know again having the upbringing that i had uh with my parents now and i say spoiled and entitled and i say privileged upbringing 
Um, I don't want the people to misconstrue that as being, you know, I had this pretty, again, this pretty princess life that my daddy didn't yell at me. No, both my parents got on my ass. Yeah. So it was, it definitely wasn't that. Um, but the standard was set as far as this is what a man should do. This is what, you know, this should look like. Um, being afforded a lot of the opportunities that I've been afforded, there's a little, very little that a man could say to me that'll make me be like, hmm. Nah, I'm good on that. I don't, I'm not accepting that because I already know what the standard looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah, mama, daddy, influential. I can, I can even give a spill about my children because I have three and everybody, each one of them are their own little different personalities. They're influential to me in their own different, you know, little different way. Um, yeah. I say my principal, I have my, the principal that I currently work for, I feel like she's another great example of uh, what it means to be an educator, a lead that's about the children. That's probably, I've worked for a few principals, but this one right here is something special about her. Mm. And um, we always kind of joke and say, man, I'm going to be like you when I grow up. But it, like, as far as she's concerned, I mean that because if I ever were to tap dance and be a principal one day, <laughs> which they probably would never let me. No, no. Um, I definitely want to be the type of leader she has. She definitely has a servant ship leader style. So, love that, love that, love that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, what are your passions, and how did you get into them? Well, as stated earlier, education definitely is one of my passions. Educational advocacy is one of my passions as well. Um, I got into education. I've always wanted to work with kids. I've been working with kids or in the school system since I was seventeen years old. All of my 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 paychecks with the exceptions of little side hustles that I've done since I was 17 years old, have come from an ISD. Yeah. So this is what I've been doing for forever. Um, educational advocacy, I can say that I got into that, and she's going to kill me when I say this, but when I first started, I'm going to say I left Fort Bend, I went to HISD teaching. This had to be in about, son is 22, so it had to be in about 04, maybe 0304. I was teaching at uh, this school in South Park, this middle school in South Park, and I was a special education teacher. And I had a mentor, my mentor teacher. You know, when you first get into education, they assign you a mentor that's supposed to walk you through the A's and the Z's of education, what not to do. Well, special education, you really have to have a mentor because that paperwork could cost you your license and your freedom if you mm. do something wrong. So, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always used to tell people, I, don't, I ain't going to federal court behind y'all messing up special education funds. Those are federal funds. Um, but my mentor was uh, Megan Thee Stallion's grandmother. And, um, and Megan was one of my students. But she she's my mentor. And I to this very day, I talked to her. We talked the other day because every time something goes wrong or I have an opinion about something or I have a question about something as far as paperwork goes, as far as 504 law or special education law goes, I call her. And I remember sitting in art IEP meetings with her and art IEP meetings where advocates would come in and how she was so calm and so passionate about what she did. Even sometimes when the meetings got heated, she still like maintained this level of professionalism going back and forth with the advocate, but always for the best interest of the child. You know, sometimes advocates come into to these types of meetings and you're, you think it's automatically a, oh, them against the school type of thing. But she always represented the best interest of the child. And I just remember sitting back in the meetings like, damn, this lady is good, like knows special education law in her sleep. And so that is what made me be like, I'm going to be like her. I'm going to be that person that, you know, 
informs kids of their educational rights, lets parents know their educational rights. But sometimes they don't know. And it's a matter of reading. It's a matter of comprehension. Um, it's a matter of somebody just sitting down, talking to them, explaining stuff to them, taking the time, like we talked about another day. Yes. Um, so I just remember being like, yeah, I'm going to be like her. And so even to this day, I'll call her and I'll be like, hey, what you think about blah, blah, blah? And she'd be like, baby, that's her favorite line. Baby, let me tell you something, baby. And she'll tell me, they need to do A, B, C, D, and this is what you need to do. So still, years, years later, I'm going to call her if there's an issue with some something. So, yeah, definitely her. Okay. That's that's what I love, for real. Um, with you doing your platform, Rich Month for Finest, y'all make sure to tune in. Thank you. It's really sharing to people who may, what people may speak over them. Mm -hmm. Or use legalese we can say yep and so thank you for doing what you're no doing problem. Again. you problem that is truly a passion that thank you see that definitely you share every day <laughs> yes Seriously. yes so thank you thank you so we need your recommendation every time you do this so i'll be like oh shit what's coming next be cool relax all right all right I'm recommendations what we recommend we need your three recommendations we need a book we need a television series mm -hmm. and we need a movie can you give us your three does um, the book, is there a specific genre? Is there a specific audience that I have to go to? It's my show. You keep saying that. Um, a book. So because my passion is education, um, a part of my uh, passion for education is literacy and literacy in black kids, specifically black boys. I'm always recommend books for those um, reluctant readers that may be young African-American men. And I'm going to always recommend anything Jason Reynolds, Kwame Alexander, one of the favorite books that my kids, my students love to read as a request every year is Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds because it deals with choices. And um, for those who may not know what Long Way Down or this, I'm going to give you all a brief synopsis of Long Way Down. Um, it basically kind of ties into the code of the streets, right? Um, the code of the streets say um, there's no snitching, there's no crying. And then if somebody kills somebody that you love, you get them back. And so the book kind of covers... Um, a 15-year-old kid whose brother is murdered in the street and that um, he has to make a decision within 60 seconds to enact the rules, the code of the streets, the three rules. Um, but in that 60 seconds of the book, he goes through, how can I say it without spoiling? He meets people along his journey that try to tell him why you should not continue this cycle this is what could happen if you continue this cycle but because it's always been ingrained in him that this is a code the code of the streets like my mama did it my daddy did it my brother did it. like this is just what we live by generationally and yeah culture <laughs> and there's a, a good line in the book that i love and it says um something along the lines of the rules were not taught to us they were just given or the rules just are so nobody specifically says hey you have to do a b c d it's just something that it's been handed down. It says the rules have been handed down like beef. Mm. You know, just something that just keeps getting handed down, handed down like a hand-me-down t-shirt. Mm. But these are the rules. And so anyway, um, I love it because it deals with choices. And of course, being, I teach eighth grade for those who may not know. We have so many choices that these young men are faced with every day. And so I love the book because it gets you to talking about different things. You can spin off and talk about all kinds of stuff. And kids who hate reading kids who have never wanted to pick up a book come in like miss you about to read the next chapter today i'm like no nah, not today no nah, miss we got to read it we'll do the work later i'm like okay so um anyway I'm, i went on a tangent that's the book 
TV shows, I'm crime documentaries uh, all day long. So anything that got something to do with a wife setting a husband up, killing a husband for the insurance money, that's my jam. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, in my pastime, I lay, I can lay in the bed all day and watch Dayline NBC. I can watch Narcos all day. I, I'll start with season one of Narcos and watch it all the way to season three. Okay. Then I'll start and watch Narcos Mexico okay. and, and do the same thing. Um, you said book, yes. TV show, and you said movie. Yes. I really am a movie person because I spend so much time watching TV shows, but... I watched the Equalizer three last night. Me too, man. <laughs> and it was again. good. So when I watched three, it made me say, "I'm gonna go back and watch one and two, which I should have watched one and two first before I watched three. So that's what I did last night. I was like, "Man, Dizel did his thing." So if you have not watched the Equalizer on Netflix, no free work, no free uh, advertising, by the way, but go check that out. Denzel did his thing. Start at one. All of them mm-hmm. good. Two is two is all of them good in their own separate yeah. spaces. Okay. Yeah. But three, yeah, three, it just, he just, he be, this I'll be like, just leave me alone. I'm just, just trying leave to leave the people alone. Man. If I get activated, it's a wrap for everybody. Denzel. But now, now you made me think about something. I want to go back to the TV shows because um, I'm going to say, like, I love me some The Wire. Mm. Classic TV. Oh, Classic TV. You better not say what I think you're going to say because I'm going to pull your culture, your black card. What you about to say? I know you're not going to say you've never seen The Wire before. I always say I don't believe in a black card here. Everything pull culture. It. We believe in black credit. Now my credit score may drop a little bit. <laughs> Pulled. I, I'm going to watch it. I want to make it special. I'm going to do it all on TikTok. We're going to watch it together. I don't even want to have this conversation. We're going to watch it no together. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Snowfall. Okay, so okay. I'm gonna say Those Snowfall. Girls. So let me say this. I'm a, The Wire, mm-hmm. The Shield. Mm. People be sleeping on the Shield. But I'm gonna say now my my credit may drop a little bit, but I'm gonna say the Shield and the Wire like neck and neck as far as good cop TV. You ain't never watched I, the wires, so you don't know. They like neck and neck. I used to be avoiding them type of dramas, but that's your but it's your thing though. Man, listen. Listen. I did, we just talked about what I did for work, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but but the the wire, the shield, anything law and order, anything law and mm. order, I'm I'm in there. So I got a lot of TV okay. stuff. Hold on, hold on. I gotta ask this. You know, it's right. off the script. But have you ever did you watch the Mommy Dead and Darius? With Gypsy? Yes. Yeah, I see it all Gypsy crazy ass story. I got into that because when I watched it on the doc the documentary. The HBO the documentary. HBO documentary. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. When I was flipping channels and I saw that, I was like, this remind me of my job. That was mm, the first mm-hmm, thing. It was a cousin mm-hmm. being interviewed. I like, this is just, this is like, I was interviewing him myself. Yeah. And that's how that crazy stuff be like that. Mm-hmm. But, y'all, we got, what's the name of the book again? Jason Reynolds, Long Way Down. Long Way Down. We have, oh. All the crime those. cop TV shows. All that. And then we have the Equalizer, Equalizer. 3. But mm-hmm. all of the Equalizer. All the Equalizer. Did you watch John Wick? I did. Okay. I did watch John Wick. I want them to somehow link up together one day. But that's just dreams and hopes I have. So the last John Wick, true confession. I ain't watched it. I ain't watched it. I'm not going to tell you what it's it. about. I'm just going to tell you that I fell asleep in the movie theater oh. on the last John Wick. I'm okay. going to just say that. Okay. I need to hear that. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. It may, it may have been a me thing, but I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. Well, we're back to you. All right. On to our next question. If you had a phone and this phone had a certain type of technology... <laughs> where you can call any three people and these three people have to have a conversation with you. You know, use your imagination. Who would you call? Who would be your three folks you would call? 
Um, <laughs> number one, I would call Marshawn Lynch because that's forever Bay. Like, I love him so bad. We respect Marshawn. So very bad. Like Marshawn. Hey, Marshawn. Hi. Um, I would call, definitely call Marshawn Lynch. Um, I would call Tabitha Brown. We love Tabitha. Oh, we Auntie Tab, the Tabitha. energy is just so, oh man, Auntie Tab, the energy is so amazing. And the third person I would call would probably be, um, this is going to sound so cheesy. Probably um, Jasmine Sullivan or, or Marsha Ambrosius because the songwriting. Oh, the stories. I feel like I, we could have some good old conversations about some some life lessons. So those will probably be my three switch. Okay. Okay. We rock with it. We rock with it. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, y'all are listening to the, the makings of you, the makings of Richmond's for finest here with Everything Culture. And we're on to our next question. All right. So what has been an impactful moment in your life? Hmm. So many impactful moments. Uh, I could narrow one down. Mm. I'm going to say possibly when I was a finalist for secondary teacher of the year um, in my district, which is a shocker because I am who I am. And if you know who I am, you know who I am. And so I, I got a one teacher of the year from my campus. And so Ooh. then just found out that I was nominated for for the district, I was like, they trying to play with me? Like, it was it was impactful to me because it was like, oh, somebody's listening. Somebody's inspired. Somebody's moved. So, and I'm still employed for now. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty, that was a pretty amazing moment. Because I'm like, oh, maybe somebody is listening. Maybe, you know, kids are. And I can always say, as an educator, impactful moments happen all the time. Being being a teacher, especially being good at what you do. And like I said, I'm an empath. I'm a people person. So I treat kids with respect because I believe that kids are deserving of respect. I'm not one of those comply, do what I say. I'm the adult, you the kid. I'm not that type of person. Um, so impactful moments could, to me could mean like little stuff that's major, right? I'm going to give you a, a quick example. The other day, this was Thursday. We took our kids on a field trip. And um, our kids go on a field trip to like, I'm going to call it a junior college that has trades that tell the kids, hey, these are trades in case you don't plan on going to a four-year university. You can come to this school while you're still in high school and get a trade and graduate with a, with a certificate or of some sort. Um, and if you want to go to college, you have a certificate so you can make some money while you're in college. And if you don't want to go to college, you can take the certificate and go out into the workforce. And so we're on tours because the school has like 15, 20 different trades, all right? So we're taking the kids and rotations on the trade. And so we get to the barbering, the cosmetology department. Okay. And I see one of my former students. He's like, Miss. I'm like, yo, what's up? We're talking, talking. And I remember this kid being a phenomenal football player. Like one of the probably best running backs we got in the greater Houston area. And I remember a conversation being had um, that kids that wanted to play sports were having to choose between playing their sport and going to the trade program because you couldn't do both because a lot of the times that they had to go do like their practicums, their, their internships ran into the times that they would have to be at practice or ran into game times. So a lot of kids that wanted to do like cosmetology or the kids that wanted to do body shop or auto mechanics because the program has all these things, 
Well, think about your car dealerships, right? If they had to go intern at a car dealership, what are the hours? Your car dealerships, both of them close at 5 o'clock. Yeah. The, the body shop, the service part, right? So, Texas football, you practice until 7 o'clock at night. So, you can't be at work if you got to be at practice. So, these kids were having to make a choice. And so, when I saw him, I was like, oh, damn, he gave a football. That's my first thought. Like, I know this boy didn't give a football. And so, he's talking to me. He said, guess what? I said, what's up? He said, I got my first official visit next week. And I said, congratulations. But I was I was going to say, how the hell you do that? So I said, where? Where are you going? And he said, um, West Point. I wanted to cry so bad. I was like, man. So I said, how, how you still play? I thought you had to give up football. He said, who told you that? And so I'm explaining to him about the program. I said, well, my understanding of the program, blah, blah, blah. He said, oh, well, yeah, you're right. But they made an exception for me because I came in extra hours and then my they had to do like some odd 200 something odd hours to get their certification for the state or to be eligible to sit for the test or something like that and so he um said I came in and did extra hours I came in on the weekends I came in did all my extra time so that I could keep playing football and still get my barber license and I was just like West Point like you I still got videos on my phone of that boy being a goofy class clown just having a good old time as a little video seventh eighth grader and this boy's gonna go to do his first official visit at West Point. And what was so amazing to me about that is that, and you know I talk about this often on my platform, is the politics that go along with Texas football, Texas high school football, Texas, hell, sports in general. This is just a shit show with sports in Texas. So political. These uh, Some of the most important, influential people in these kids' lives do them so bad and so dirty. And this baby was one of the babies that had to move schools because he, was, he fell into a system where you know, people didn't have his best interest at heart. I'm going to just say that. And so to hear that, despite all of that, despite those people trying to do me bad or do me over, like, I'm going to go on a visit to West Point. So, impact. Yeah, wow. You know, an upcoming season, that's going to be the discussion, sports. We'll talk sports in Texas. Woo! But we ain't talking about that right now. Okay. We're talking about you. Because I can talk about that all day, but go ahead. <laughs> We'll come back to it. We'll right. come, that's what that's what we do in this. But we, it's, this is all about you, right? Okay. Now. So, with our next question, Ridgemont, Bo, what's your theme song? What you mean? What's my theme song? Where am I from? Hey, I know where you're from, but you, it's <laughs> if you crazy. ask any person here what their theme song is, my principal asked that on the on the spreadsheet at the beginning of the year. If you were to walk in a classroom or walk into a room, what song would you want playing? And you better be playing the Mo City Dawn. What do you mm, mean? Mm. Like, of course. I had to be for sure. Okay. okay? You know, I'm from East Texas. Mm. And we, let me tell you, the way my folks, when I'm from, ride for the zero. The row. Um, Tim, is Timothy, let me say Timothy McVeigh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm telling grew up on them. <laughs> well, that's a whole discussion in the future, talking about music and culture and how it impacts us mm-hmm. in, re- oh, in reality. But, ooh, but most city done. Of course. Loud and clear. Loud and clear. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, how do you define joy? Man, um, the the women of the world are going to come for me when I say this, but because they always tell us we shouldn't tie our joy up in our children. But I'm going to say in my kids um, and how I define it is smiles, man. Uh, something so crazy and so simple. Each one, like I said, I got three kids. I got a 22 year old, a 22 year old son, a 17 year old son and a 13, almost 14 year old daughter. And if I'm in the 
back room or the house or in the office, which is in the very front of my house working. And they're all like at the kitchen table playing dominoes is their thing, right? My oldest son and my baby girl, domino kings and queens, like them the ones you're going to take to the cookout and they're going to cut somebody out. It's going to go down behind they some like dominoes. That. They like that. My middle son, he's a middle child. He's like kind of like me a little bit. Like I'm just here. I don't really know what's going on. I'm just here to listen to the conversation and enjoy the good time. But when they're talking to each other and my daughter, I tell her this all the time, she has the the happiest laugh. And it's a, I, I, I don't even know how to describe the laugh that she has, but every time I hear her laugh, even if she's on the phone talking, it's such a hearty, genuine laugh. It makes me happy because it makes me be like, my daughter is happy. My kids are happy. So just to hear them the camaraderie between them and not to say they don't have their moments because baby, they got their moments as siblings. But when they, if I'm in there working, if I'm in the, in my room laying down, I got my door open and I hear them just engaging in conversation and discourse. Um, and they're laughing. Like that makes me so happy. Cause it's like, it's joy. Cause I know a lot of kids don't get to have peace and joy in their household. So to know that I'm creating an environment where my kids are comfortable and they're happy and they're, they're joyous. That makes me, that's joy. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Oh, wish I had, wish I had a little bit of that. Grow. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's beautiful. Seriously. Um, in what areas in your life do you need to heal? Do I need to heal? <laughs> um. Damn, I'm, it's it's gonna be crazy for me to say like I don't need to heal because that's not human, right? Hey. Um. The show's thing. But again, I never had, I never experienced anything traumatic as a child. Um, I didn't have a negative upbringing. Um, I don't have anything negative that I say I need to heal from. Um, do I have a disdain for systems and certain people in positions and systems? Absolutely. Do I need to heal from it? Nah, I feel like I need to go harder because I need to rid the system of people like that. Um, and my principal jokes all the time says, you have to get over some of this stuff. And I'm like, nah, I'm not getting over none of that. Because as long as we got these people in these structures in place, these kids are never going to get to have the experience that I had as a, as a, as a student in the public school system. So, um, damn, I think that's the only thing. Like, I, ha I hate to say it. And I'm going to tell you a story real quick. I know we're going to get off topic. No, I, I was switching for you. Okay. And what areas in your life you want to improve? Okay, we can do that. Um, I'll do that for you. I don't do that for you. You don't do it for everybody? Okay. Improve? I can definitely say I probably should be a bit more. <clears throat> no, nah, I'm not even going to lie and tell you that. I was going to say I should probably be a bit more empathetic and um, understanding to people that need to be educated. But I'm not going to lie and tell you that because I feel like everybody can go be educated. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to lie to you. What areas I need to improve share on? That same struggle. Though. Okay, we share that same. Struggle. I can tell you something like my big back ass needs to pull away from the table. I can tell you all of that stuff like that. But as far as when it comes to <laughs> what I'm passionate about, like nah, now nah, improve. Okay, I'm, I am gonna say this: if you mess over a kid, I'm coming full force, mm. and I probably should tone that down a tad bit on the professional side. Um, being a parent that being a teacher that's also a parent in the same school district mm. um, and mm. dealing with people who I know are not doing right by kids but then they try one of my kids mm. I'm coming the bitch is coming up out of me then I'm like oh 
wait, these people signed your paycheck. You got to come back a little bit. So do I need to be um, a bit more cognizant of that? Probably. But do they need somebody foot on their neck? Absolutely. So maybe one day. Mm, maybe. Keep doing what you're doing. Though. Thank you. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing for real. So our next question. Okay. Who represents your community of support? Man, um, what's my whole question? I'm gonna say my mama again, and the only reason I'm not saying my my dad, because my dad passed away about two years ago. But I'm still saying from from the from the the, the depths of the universe, my dad still. Yeah. Um, but my mom for sure because um, man, my mom even my mom has my, my mom retired last year. Yeah, it's been a year. Mom retired finally, right? Mom retired last year. Mom is doing her. Mom is living life. But man, if I say, like the other day, my mom would laugh because she cracked up. She's like, you've been a pain in my ass since the day you came on this earth. And my mom and I share a birthday. I was born on my mom's birthday. Ooh, yeah. And so she says that, like, you've been taking over my life since the damn day you got here. But um, I was busy at work and my mom was like, she's on it with the kids as far as like, you know, medical appointments and things like that. She said, hey, six months is coming up. The oldest one, you know, his insurance is going, uh, he turns 22, so he's going to fall off your insurance. It's dental, you know, coming up. And the other two, it's time for their six months. So she helps me keep track of those things like that. And I'm like, okay, mom, I'm going I'm to call the dentist. She's like, well, don't use this dentist because I don't like this lady. And so I'm like, hey, mom, well, you got to find the dentist. I ain't got time. I'm, I'm teaching. You calling me about this, but I'm, I'm at the board teaching. And so my mom will stop and make appointments for me. Uh, if I cannot take off work, but the kids need an appointment, my mom will come get the kids, check them out of school, take them to their appointment, bring them back. Um, my kids, we all had braces at one point. So like a quick little 15 adjustment, mama would come do that, do whatever. Um, but things like that. Oh, and even cook, like she'll cook two meals a week, one to two meals a week for myself, my sister, my brother lives in Virginia, but, um, but that's to alleviate some of the stress that my sister's an educator as well. Mm. Um, but that's just to alleviate some of the stress because my kids play sports. My daughter's AAU season right now. So getting into the club sports and I can leave the house sometimes at 630. Well, hell no, she had to be at practice at 630 in the morning for school practice. And then we leave there and go to club practice. So sometimes I leave my house at six. I don't get back home to 930. So my mom's school, my mom's house is literally two minutes from my school. So I know that she was like, hey, like the other day. Poked, smothered poke chops, collards, rice and gravy. She's like, hey, I made, I made dinner. So, and when she makes it, she's making it to where we can eat that night and we're gonna have lunch the next day. But what does that do? That takes stress off of me having to figure out what we're gonna eat for dinner, having to figure out what we're gonna eat for lunch. So one to two times a week, she'll do that. And so I think that's support. Um, I'm gonna also shout out quickly um a village of homegirls. You always hear black women talk about friends and how. Uh, man, women ain't women jealous, women haters, women ain't this, women ain't that. I have, if you want to talk about female friends in a village, I got a village of football moms. We've been friends since our boys have been playing Little League since they were four years old. I got a village of uh, teacher friends. But my village of football mom friends, when I tell you there's nothing that they will not do for me, my kids, and there's nothing that we won't do for each other's kids. Uh, that's definitely a village. When my father passed away, the repast. They didn't come to the services because we did a quick uh, service. We don't believe in any of that. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, but at the house, they were at my house preparing the food, cooking the food, serving my family because the repast was at my house, serving my family. That Just things like that that are very 
simple to some people are major because they took off work mm. to, to stay there and do that for me and make sure that everything was good, make sure everything was cleaned up. Um, afterwards, going to check on my mama, make sure my mama was good because my mom and dad had been married for 45, 40 some years. So things like that. I think that's that's support. That shows up as support. So absolutely. Wow, wow, wow. Woo, how you feeling? I'm good. I'm great. Now, was this too difficult for you, anything? This was not difficult at all. You see what I mean? <laughs> I'm over here all scared. I wasn't scared. Never scared. Okay. I was like, what you got on that paper? Mm, okay. When did you realize you were different? <laughs> um, damn. Who I am now is who I've always been as a child. The rebellious one. The the I'm going to talk up when something is wrong. I would get in trouble for that. That's why my ass got kicked out of school. Um, I'm going I'm to I'm talk. I'm going I'm to just do that. So I realized that probably, hell, 19 years old. Mm. that I had a mouth and I, I was going to talk. I was going to do it sometimes within reason and within respect. But I'm going to say, I'm going to get it off my chest. If I see something wrong, I'm going I'm to speak up on it. Now, the downside of that is that I'm raising a little me. Mm. Welcome. My daughter is a clone. And sometimes I'm like, what they say? They, you want to beat the shit out of you? Like, I'm raising me. Girl, I'm going to slap the me out of you. Like, you were tripping, but different. And I, I realized that about her probably when she was about five or six. I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. I saw me and her that early. So I'm going to say for me about nine, ten. Reason I want to have a daughter for my wife. So <clears throat> she know she putting me. It ain't for the week. Her father. All right. Love it. Love it. OK, this is a would you rather. OK. OK. Would you rather go back in time and speak to your younger self? Would you rather for your future self and come and talk to you now? Oh, I'd rather go back and talk to my younger self. Because, mm. baby, I did some shit. And I wish the the me now could go tell the younger me, girl, it's, first of all, it's going to be okay. Mm. Second of all, don't you do that shit. What age? What age would you go to? Oh, man, I got a, I got a couple of step, oh, stages okay, in my life. Okay. <laughs> got a couple of <laughs> stages in my life I could go to. Um, I would probably, man... Eight, let me see, when did I get pregnant with my son? I think I was 17, 18 years old when I got pregnant. I was in college, U of H, the University of Houston. Okay. Um, and remembering like, oh shit, life is about to be over. Mm. Life is about to be over. How am I finna tell my parents that? Mm. My parents paying for college. All right, well, I didn't win and got a basketball play and then didn't have too much fun with the basketball player. What am I finna do? And uh, the me now could go back and tell that 17, 18 year old, hey, chill out. You gonna be, you gonna be good. You gonna be good. Your kid gonna be good. My kid is great. Kid make more money than I do. He's gonna be 22 next month. Bless. Good kid. Just good. So I go back and say, don't trip. Like, you straight. You gonna be good. Wow. He gonna be good. We gonna be good. Wow. I love that. I love that. I love that. Ooh. Okay. We we rocking. We got, we got a few more questions. Okay. I'm here. Okay. You do a lot. I do a lot. So how do you relax? Dateline. Uh, narcos, um, <laughs> Dayline Narcos snacks, man. I'm a, I can eat. I can eat. And that's my, that's my relaxation. And, and, and doing as much as I do to go to my bedroom and be left alone in peace. I'm talking about phone on do not disturb. 
kids, y'all good. Don't bother me. This is my moment of decompression. Um, with some hot Cheetos and some popcorn. Um, with the little cream cheese, cheesecake, little snacks. Oh, oh, oh I, know I don't say their name, but you know what I'm they, talking they about. Busting, they got a little crumble, a crumble on the top. On Man, right listen, there. we right there. We I got right a little. Oh, it's so fat. I got a little fridge in my room, really, for, mainly for waters and stuff, because I don't like getting up and walking to the front of the house for to the for, to the kitchen. But uh, yeah, I go to the grocery store and I put those in the back of the fridge, behind like the non-flavored sparkling waters, because my kids will come in and be like, "What, what mama got up in this fridge?" Because I don't buy juice. So they come in and be like, let me see what she got up in here. I got to hide that good stuff back there. I'm just giving y'all cavities. Yeah, y'all don't know that. Drink water, Gatorade, and milk. Okay. We rock with it. <laughs> we rock with it. Okay. So that leans into my favorite question of mm-hmm. the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite questions. <clears throat> if you can have any meal at the snap of your fingers at any time, you're like, you get it. What would it be the meal and who would prepare it for you? I have to pick one. Okay, you said I could do whatever I want to do. All right, bet. Here we go. Ten-piece wings, all flats. Okay? Extra hot sauce. All right? Who will prepare them? My son. Oh, Oh my God. That boy can fry some chicken. That boy can fry some chicken. Ooh, I'm about to make him fry some chicken now. Mm. So, definitely him. You about to snap the fingers. About to snap the fingers. That fried chicken, extra ranch, extra hot sauce. Um... Steak, um, ribeye, prefer- preferably ribeye. Um, who will make it? My dad. My dad used to make the best rib eyes with this gravy. Um, he would always make um, like rice or potatoes, whatever he would cook. But then he would always do like carrots and peas because he like I don't eat carrots and peas to this day because I'm like oh. But I bet not get up from that table until I ate them carrots and peas. But definitely would say that. Um, my mom. Man, I could say a lot of stuff for my mom, but like shit, like we had some pork chops the other day, mm. or my mom makes some smothered, smothered chicken or meatloaf. My, we, my sister and I just said, man, who? what's the next meal we're going to request mama to make? And me and my older son and my sister would say, meatloaf. Fuck. Meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and green beans from my mama. My brother makes the best dressing. Oh, my God. First of all, we all cook. So, um, Yeah. Meals. I love me some dressing. Man, my brother, I'm having to... not not stuffing. Not stuffing. You know, in the first season of everything culture, that was a question. Do you eat dressing? Ooh, what is stuffing? what is stuffing? I found out in the worst way. I'll... No. I don't mm. know what stuffing is. Dressing. Very unpleasant moment. White cornbread. Then don't make your dressing for me with no damn jiffy because I ain't eating it. Oh yeah, no. Because I'm my people from East Texas too. Oh, we, we do. The, it got to be the white, the white cornbread. Okay, we'll talk. About okay, we'll talk later. about that. We'll talk about that later. Oh, oh you man. must eat your cornbread with your stuff and your dressing no, with Jiffy. No, absolutely. Oh, okay. Not. I was about absolutely. to get no, alert. I, I already about, dropped your credit. About for. Your people from East Texas. Oh, okay. We talk about that. You know, you about know that. how we get down. I got to ask you who your people all right. are. Okay. Then we, we go do find all out. That. We probably related somehow. Because I said drop your credit score some more if you said Jiffy cornbread for your dressing. No, no, no. I'm dressing. I'm very, very particular. I'm very particular. We rock. We rolling. We got a last few questions right here. You in the lab? You in the stretch? Okay. Maybe. So. How do you want people to remember you? I want to be remembered as, again, a great mom, mm-hmm. a mom that would do absolutely anything for her kids uh, to make sure that they they straight. I want to be remembered as an educator that will go above and beyond for her kids, that the standard is excellence, nothing, nothing less. Um, the one that is going to advocate for them, right, wrong, or indifferent, even if you're wrong, I'm going to be like, mm, be quiet while I, while I talk for you. 
you wrong as hell, but be quiet. Shut up if you say something stupid. Let me handle this. Um, yeah, I think that. What changes do you want to see in your culture? Man. I know this is this is this is oh, the one. This is the one. Yeah. I'm a draw. You know, I'm gonna always bring it back to education. I'm always bring it back to education. I want us to be more involved with our children's education. I want us to um read to our children. I want us to go back to that old homework. I know people like hate homework and hate that, but homework was more than a time for you to argue and fuss with your kids. Homework was bonding time. Yeah. Homework was done at the kitchen table. It was bonding time. It was that time because like I said, my mom worked two jobs so I didn't have a whole lot of time in the day to spend with her. So that extra 30, 45 minutes that she would wake us up in the morning to sit down and go over corrections and things like that, that was bonding time. So we had to leave our homework on the table. Straight square business. We had to leave our homework on the table for my mom to come home and my mom would check our homework and tell us what corrections need to be made before she went to bed. We would wake up about 30, 45 minutes before, you know, if there were some corrections that need to be made. And we would do homework with my mom. My mom um, retired as a financial officer, an accountant. My mom's an accountant by trade. And math was her thing. So if I did a math problem, we we almost had a knockdown drag out about two and three digit multiplication. <laughs> but if I did the problem wrong, my mom was like, okay, she needs some more practice. So, hey, I'm waking you up 30 minutes earlier. I need you to, my mama would write a whole new set of problems for me to practice on because she would say, this is where you made your mistake. This is what we're going to do. But those were the roles. And on the weekends, when my dad was at his full-time job, his second job, my mom would do the heavy soul food cooking and the making sure our clothes are washed and ready for the week to make things easier for my dad, but it's definitely shared responsibilities in, in my household with my mom and my dad. And I was raised by both my parents. Wow. Yeah. This is this is what I'm talking about, right? Okay. <laughs> you feeling all right? I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Look, 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 we right there. So. Um, I want to see more. I, I made a TikTok video about this the other day. I want to see more black dads showing up at the school board meetings. And this is not a black man versus black woman bash. And I'm going to tell you why I think it's important for black dads to show up at school board meetings because especially in school districts where the school board does not look like you and I, yeah. when the majority or all of the school board members look the other hue. But the school district, or the, the students that they serve, majority look like me and you. Mm -hmm. um, Disproportionality. Very much so. It's important that we show up, even if we just show up and sit in the gallery to just listen. Be we got to start showing up because once you start showing up, they're going to be like, oh shit, what's going on? You know, they don't like to see us gathering. Because we always got to be plotting. So they're going to be like, what's going on? What's going on? Now, and of course, if you have the courage, I want you to start speaking up at the school board. You don't, this, it doesn't even have to be anything that necessarily impacts your child. But understanding that as a community, they're all our children. They're all our children. And so I want, I want parents, black parents, to stop showing up to the school just for negativity. Don't show up because I took your son's phone. Don't show up because your child... Uh, didn't do any work this whole nine weeks and now they ineligible to get on that field Friday night. Don't come up there cussing me out and acting the fool behind that. Come up there before that. Make sure that we have a relationship and a rapport prior to that so he don't get to that ineligibility. Um, and like I said earlier, I would change in our culture that concept and that mindset that our kids got to struggle because we struggled. I would, I would definitely change that. <sighs> Thank you. No problem. I don't know why that got me so emotional because I'm just thinking that's how it used to be, though. Mm -hmm. 
So we had to leave our homework on the table. Straight square business. We had to leave our homework on the table for my mom to come home. And my mom would check our homework and tell us what corrections need to be made before she went to bed. We would wake up about 30, 45 minutes before, you know, if there were some corrections that need to be made. And we would do homework with my mom. My mom um, retired as a financial officer, an accountant. My mom's an accountant by trade. And math was her thing. So... If I did a math problem, we we almost had a knockdown drag out about two and three digit multiplication. <laughs> but if I did the problem wrong, my mom was like, okay, she needs some more practice. So, hey, I'm waking you up 30 minutes earlier. I need you to, sh my mama would write a whole new set of problems for me to practice on because she would say, this is where you made your mistake. This is what we're going to do. But those were the roles. And on the weekends, when my dad was at his full-time job, his second job, my mom would do the heavy soul food cooking and the making sure our clothes are washed and ready for the week to make things easier for my dad, but it's definitely shared responsibilities in, in my household with my mom and my dad. And I was raised by both my parents. Wow. Yeah. This is this one I'm talking about, right? Okay. <laughs> you feeling all right? I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Look, 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 we right there. So it's, and mm -hmm. it's changed. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was some people's upbringing, but my, my, like you said, your mother worked two jobs. Mm -hmm. You had your father and mm -hmm. still, my mother was a substance abuser and mm -hmm. had, you know, mental illness, but she still sat down with me with homework. Yeah. And it made such a difference in my life. Mm -hmm. And even with my uncles, or you know, they would show up. Even they didn't know what he didn't have kids that lived with him or anything, but he would still show up yeah. and be present. That's it. And there and see that you have a team behind you it. at times. You may not have to have a lot to say, but you they go see when they see you, they see us. And they know, oh, they that's that's Drake you. uncle. He here. Exactly. They know you have. Because here's the thing, and we can we can talk about this all day. When a school system, especially a school system that's run by people that don't look like us, see that you don't have anybody that's going to come here and advocate oh, yeah. for you, they're going to fuck <clears throat> over your child so bad. And what you going to do about it? You ain't coming up here. The child, though, you're not coming up here. The child going to be too scared to even say something to you. Or if they do say something to you, they know you're not even coming. So it's not even, it's pointless for them to even say anything to you. So... Now, I had a whole, you know, you follow my story about my son getting suspended for defending himself in a fight because, you know, that's a whole nother situation. I know the, the principal, the assistant principals, his counselor, I know they hate me right now. And that's OK. That's OK, because when I when I appealed and I advocated and I wrote my letters and I did all this, I didn't do it just for mine. I did it for all the other little black boys y'all doing the same way because I don't play about kids. So we need more of you. So that, that's one of the <sighs> big things, too. So, all right, <clears throat> Richmond, four finest, you did it. You know, you're not. We got one more. We got Pull one more. It back. Okay. How can we support you? How can you support me? That's a good question. Thank you. Uh, you can support me by first uh, following me on social media, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Richmond Forest Finest. Um, I have a podcast as well, Richmond Forest Finest, the podcast. Um, I'm in season two right now. I think we're about. 32, 33 episodes deep where we talk all things education. Um, we talk about the disparities. We talk about the disproportionalities. We talk about special education. We talk about uh, disproportionate discipline. We talk about uh, shit. As teachers, the racism that we face as teachers in the school system, the racism that we face as parents in the school system, the politics when it comes to sports and your kids. Um, so many different topics in education that we cover. Um, one of my highly most popular episodes to this date has been the episode about educators and curriculum Karens. 
Um, and if you've been following the news, we saw the death or the suicide of Dr. Bailey from mm-hmm. Lincoln University, who was basically bullied to death. Yep. And so that episode where we talked about that exact same thing, like as black women, what are some things that we have to face as black teachers in school districts that do not look like us or that are run by people that don't look like us? What are some things that we're facing? And that was one of the main things. And so uh, that would definitely be something that you could do to support is, you know, go there, follow me there, support the podcast, you know, a little $1 donation, $3 donation, anything to help production costs or help our cause. We like it. I I joke and say TikTok ain't no money. And TikTok for me, because I'm not a huge, huge influencer on TikTok, but uh, every little penny that I earn gets poured right back into my classroom for chips and snacks and deodorant because people don't be supplying their kids with hygiene items. Uh, the, the amount of water these kids go through on a daily basis is crazy. So things like that um, would definitely support, but support me and other educators by just being active parents in your child's education. Definitely. That's beautiful. And thank you. No problem. We definitely support it. Okay. And we want you to do the same thing. You know, everything culture, community, our family, our supporters, you support Bridge One Four Finest, you support us. You know, and supporting us go a long way. We love y'all. But now, Bridge One Four Finest, you've done it, you've did it, you've completed the makings of you <laughs> of everything culture. You went through this gauntlet of questions. Okay. And you did it with a breeze. Thank okay. You. And you kind of shared, you know, some of your places where to find you. But if the people are looking, if the people are looking for you and you're trying to be found, where can they find you? Can you drop those handles again? Absolutely. Um, Instagram, I am Ridgemont4S underscore finest. On TikTok, I am at Ridgemont4's finest. Um, you can also find me at www.ridgemont4sfinest.com. Um, and then on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening platform, Ridge My Forest Finest, the podcast. Now, we also have a spinoff podcast coming, um, hopefully next week. That's going to be our um, <laughs> podcast entitled Teachers After Dark. Ridge My Forest Finest presents Teachers After Dark. And it's not anything super explicit or anything like that. This is just us breaking that stigma that teachers have to be teachers 24-7. So we come off the air, we clock out, turn our classroom lights off, lock the door. And we let our hair down and we're human because people don't believe that teachers deal with human things. They think we're robots and that we live in the classroom. And so <laughs> I know. But on here, we we curse. We talk. We live life. We talk about family. We talk about divorce. We talk about marriage. We talk about uh, all things that people say teachers shouldn't talk about. Teachers should not. Teachers should just be teachers. So we let our hair down and we do that. So that podcast, that spinoff is coming next week. Oh, we're looking forward to it. I appreciate Love it. it. Once again, we're going to say thank you again. For thank being you for having show. me. We greatly appreciate y'all. Um, we look forward to having you on more in the future okay. as well. Okay. You know, we're doing collabs. We we in the city now. We're I like together. it. We're here. <laughs> and as always, we appreciate y'all, our listeners, our viewers, um, for tuning in, checking out with us, and being part of the family and being part of the community. Once again, I'm Drake. Be Drake with everything culture. And we like to leave with this, with our mission statement, that it comes from the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which he said once before that he believed that men hate each other because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other and they don't know each other because of segregation. And because of segregation, we have miscommunication. So we created this platform here of everything culture built on the pillars of respect, communication and consistency. So we can get to know each other so we can love one another. God bless and talk to you later. All right. Thank you.